0: Well, guys, we're going to continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We'll be in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Can you believe we've been studying this for 10 weeks now? Whoa, really? (laughs) That's crazy. Well, it's actually been 11 because Greg taught for one, one Wednesday while I was gone, but we've had Wednesday nights going for 11 weeks now. It's flown by, huh? Yeah. proves how God's word is inexhaustible. Right? It's, it's pretty cool to look back and think of how, I mean, it's crazy how quickly it's gone, that's for sure. But um, 10 weeks just listening to a passage of Scripture that is saturated in red words, red letters. I mean, you know, Jesus is teaching. It's... You know, there's no commentary necessarily from Matthew other than how he chose to arrange this and present it to us. But this is all Jesus's teachings. And so one of the key things that Matthew highlights is he's, he's showing us Jesus's teachings is his description as God as our father in heaven. That's like one thing that we'll hear, we heard, we've heard over and over and over as we've studied through the Sermon on the Mount. God is our Father in Heaven. And um, this description of God as our Father uh, it, it, and our relation to, relationship to Him as children are the basis for Jesus' next exhortation that He's going to give. And, um, which is about prayer and seeking Seeking the Father. Jesus tells his disciples to ask, to seek, and to knock. Three words to describe intentional pursuit in relationship with the Father. And Jesus assures us that it is the Father's character to respond to us because he's good. He has good gifts to give to his children. And so let's look at our passage tonight, starting in verse 7. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And that's our passage that we're going to cover tonight. So the first thing that we notice is that Jesus starts this at this whole teaching out on asking, seeking, and And if you just read verse 7, you might be left with the question well, ask who, or seek who, or knock on what. But we have to look at the context, right? And so we, we need to go all the way to verse 11 and we see how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him. So Jesus is exhorting his disciples to be persistent in their pursuing in the pursuit of the Father, of their Father in heaven, because he is the one who answers. And Jesus uses these three words to invite his disciples uh, further in to step into their relationship with their Father. They're action words. And this is, a, this is a, a relationship that the Father welcomes as well. You see, these three verbs are used to express the earnestness of the disciple. I'm sorry. These verbs, they express the earnestness that the disciple should have in seeking their father. They're descriptive words. We see the first invitation is to ask and it will be given to you. Now, in the original Greek... Jesus is teaching them to keep asking. It's, it's a. That's what the idea is behind the words to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking, to continue doing these things. It's not something that you stop doing or you only do when you're really in need of something, but it's just a continuation. Always ask, spending that time in prayer with him, seeking Him, seeking His will, and going to him with every need. Oftentimes, I think Jesus is exhorting us this way because we're oftentimes too easily discouraged in our prayers or or we give up too easily in our prayers. Something that we might pray about when when we feel the pressure but discontinue those prayers as the pressure lets up or you know, things change in our life and we we're a little bit happier with the trajectory of our lives, and we're not seeking Him for His will for those those very needs when they're so prevalent. And so, the encouragement to us is to keep at it, to keep going. And so, the first word is "ask." And in, in this word is translated other ways throughout other verses as the um, in the Bible. But it's translated as request or beg or desire or crave. So you can kind of get a feel for what that word is entailing. And it is the seeking by the inferior from the superior. The seeking by the inferior from the superior. And so oftentimes that's how it's portrayed in, in its usage throughout the Bible. And you remember, you may remember Jesus' teaching on prayer when he went over, that we went over him a few weeks ago, and Jesus taught his disciples that they weren't to pray to be seen by men. Right? You remember that one? Because the Pharisees would get up on the corners and they would, you know, stand in the, in the synagogues and they'd pray out loud. And they weren't praying to God, they were praying for the attention of men. But the disciple was exhorted to pray in secret. And the Father would see. The Father who was in secret would see. So, it's not for the attention of men, but to connect with the Father. And then they weren't, weren't to use meaningless words. Repeatedly, repetitively. The Father, they were exhorted that the Father already knows what they have need of. Those little kids, yeah. They'll... Go up on the stairs to climb over the back that way. Um, But the Father already knows what we have to do, so it wasn't some conjuring His response. It was to go to Him as one who knows. But Jesus also gave them an example of how they were to pray. One that asked the Father for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It also asked for daily provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. That prayer, that example, asks for forgiveness of sin, for cleansing, for wrongdoing, in in light of us forgiving others as well. It also asks for his leading from trial and testing, and knowing that life has its tests and it has its trials, and, and praying that the Lord would keep us and give us strength to overcome those things. This is what they were to be persistent in. And we are called to do the same. To continue to ask. To be persistent in asking. Now the word seek. Describes one striving to find. So we see ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. To seek God meant to turn to him. To strive humbly and sincerely. Sincerely. To follow and obey him. That's what it means to seek. That's how the Bible describes seek. Now Jeremiah 29. Not 11. But it's in that context. But Jeremiah 29.13. It says. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me. With all of your heart. Now this was a promise to Israel. Israel, who was currently in exile in Babylon. So the Babylonians came in and, and just drug them all off out of their city. There was a little bit of a remnant back, um, but only what would benefit Babylon to keep there. But they were they were dismayed at their situation. They, God, and God spoke to them through the prophet Jeremiah and others, but... That God was speaking through Jeremiah to encourage them to seek him while exiled, while away from their homeland, away in in a world where they had no control over things, in a world where they were living as servants to the Babylonians. But God was encouraging them to continue living for him, to seek him with their whole heart. It was okay for them to settle down right there. Because this is the thing. God wasn't just stuck in Jerusalem. He was with them present in exile. And if they sought him with the whole heart. He would be found by them. And he had a plan. That's where 11 talked about. Was to prosper them to bring them back out of exile, back into the promised land. And so Jesus is saying this to his disciples, seeking, keep seeking, and you will find. And in a sense, the disciples too were in an exile that they were experiencing, like their ancestors were with Babylon. In Jerusalem, they were there living, but were they the ones in control? Rome. Rome had control over Israel at the time. There were Roman occupation. And all the disciples were looking for this Messiah to come, who would liberate them from the Roman occupation, would set up the new kingdom, and they would rent, rule and reign with him. Now, Jesus exhorts them to keep seeking the Father with all your heart, and they would find him. I think there's a correlation for us to think through with this whole thing here. Because we too are we're called to live as pilgrims and sojourners, people that live in a land that's not our own. Our land is the heavenly, the new Jerusalem, the one we've been learning about on Sundays. The one where we will live for all eternity with the Lord. And so in a sense, we're exiled. We're in a place where we necessarily don't have control over the things around us. But we are called at this moment to seek His face. And that we can, He can be found by us. And we know this through Jesus. Through His appearing on the scene. Through His words and His teachings. But Jesus taught His disciples to seek first the kingdom. Remember that verse? Yes, Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That was the focus of the disciple, to seek first the Father's kingdom and His righteousness. And I think about righteousness, it's all those things that he desires for us to do here while we're occupying where he has placed us. Until he comes again or he takes us home, we are to be doing these things. The next word that Jesus uses for his illustration is the word not. I like to say that there's something really deep and crazy behind that word but it literally just means to knock to knock on a door you know we've you know some of us have jobs where we're knocking on doors right or we've gone door to door and we've knocked on doors what is the, what is the reason you knock <coughs> so somebody will open up the door right so you can talk to somebody Jesus tells his disciples to keep knocking and it will be open. So many times we've gone down the street here to invite people to church. And you knock and no door opens. But not, that's not the case with the Lord. You knock and it will be open. The invitation really is to the come to the Father now while, while they can. Jesus is recorded by Luke giving another illustration concerning this teaching of persistence that receives a response. It helps to kind of draw a little bit more of this imagery. I want you you turn to your, b- your Bible to Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. You there? It says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. As if yelling to the door is going to not wake the children. But... (laughs) I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given, or given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be open. I like that imagery. I mean, it never says that he knocks, but it insinuates it. I'm like, hey, dude, wake up. I need some help. I got another version. What's your saying? It says, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I guess that's true, right? You can't have any sort of apprehension or like with holding back when you really have a need. You got to bring it to the Lord, right? Yeah, that's funny. So it's descriptive of the type of knocking. And and it's just, it's really the, the posture, the attitude in which we approach the Lord. Like, Lord, I know you hear me and I will wait upon you for that answer. And Jesus gets to it a little bit later, but he's, God is not like the, this man who's laying in his bed that you have to encourage. He says, your father loves to give good gifts. That's what we see. But what I found interesting is that actually later on in Luke, there is a day when this no longer will be possible, this knocking. If you look in Luke chapter 13 with me, Luke chapter 13. It's a couple chapters over, starting in verse 24. Jesus is teaching again. He says, chapter 13, verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door... You begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. You see, now is the time to seek the Lord, to knock. Today is the day of salvation. And as disciples, we have this access to the Father and to pursue Him in a deep, in a, in I a, um, I don't know if urgent's the right way, but to just pursue Him in that uh, intentional way. That's a good word. But there are some that will stand and they will knock, who have missed that opportunity to engage with the Father, who the door will be shut and won't be opened. And it's it's funny how close they got to him. We ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But they never got to know him. That means they heard what he said. They were a part of what was going on. But they never entered into that familial relationship with the Father. We're exhorted to be persistent in praying to the Father about things pertaining to His kingdom. How we should be living, asking for His will to be done, and asking Him for our present needs. That's what we've learned in, in the past about prayer. How or what we ask somebody for will always be based on our relationship with that person. This is the next phase of what Jesus is teaching, the next point he's making. I'm not going to ask somebody I don't know for a ride to the airport, because I don't even know if they have a car, first off. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know anything about them. Whether they're from maybe another country, they don't know how to get to the airport. I'm not going to ask them for something if I don't know them. That's pretty obvious, right? But I might venture to ask somebody that I've met a few times, that I've gotten to know, you know, I've seen them driving a car, I've seen that they can, I can expect them to be at a place on time and such. I I might venture to ask them, but I wouldn't hesitate to ask a good friend or a family member that I've traveled with, that I've been in their vehicle and has actually taken me to the airport once before. You see the picture I'm trying to paint? It's, it's, It's that reputation with that person. You've spent time with them. You know them. You know about them. You know their their trustworthiness. You know their ability to uh, supply your need. The same goes with our Heavenly Father. We keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking because we know His character. And I thought it was really interesting. If you guys want to turn to John chapter 4. You see, this was the trouble with the woman at the well. She didn't know Jesus. And, and didn't trust him at first. Right? John chapter 4, starting in five verse 5. It says that, so Jesus came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. Near the plot of ground that Jacob gave the son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? First off, they have this conflict of nationality, really. You know, Jews and Samaritans, they, they didn't like each other. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, is what she says. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. If she knew who he was, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. You see. Her initial issue with Jesus. She didn't know who he was. And if she would have known who he was. She would have asked. It's in our relationship. With the father. And how well we know him. Based upon his word. That we are propelled. To ask to not to seek. To find out more. It wasn't too long after this. This this moment of interaction with Jesus that she began to trust who he was based on her interactions with him. As she got to know him, she began to proclaim him to others. She went into the town and said, hey, come see this man who told me everything I've ever done. It took some time spent with him to know who he was and to begin to trust him. And knowing to whom we are praying, that will be the thing that instructs our prayers to align with what God desires to do and he will do it the quality of our relationship with the father will will determine our persistency in seeking him the quality of our relationship we can't say we're following him if we aren't seeking him we can't say we're following him if we're not attempting to do what he's called us to do Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So it, this whole relationship with the Father is based in faith, in a seeking Him. And believing that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. What's that? I would just like to say that faith is not believing something, whether it's true or not. Faith is a God given knowledge. Yeah. The Lord, it's true that our human relationships, it's true of our own human relationships that their quality is built upon time spent with each other. The same is true with the Father. Time spent with him in prayer is produced by our knowledge of who he is. That's a byproduct of knowing him. He who is, is found, who he is, is found in his word. And our faith is built upon this foundation of who he has revealed himself to be in his word. Romans ten seventeen. Then, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we grow to know the Father through His Word, through time spent with Him. That influences and and works within us a persistence in prayer, a seeking and knocking, because we know He is the God who provides. We read His testimonies. It's also produced when we hear the answer to prayers and brothers and sisters as we fellowship, as we are encouraging one another in what God has done in our lives. Now, Jesus is going to move on, and he's going to make a comparison to draw out his greatest point that he's trying to make tonight. Look at verse 9 with me. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? We have earthly examples of fathers. Some are good and some are not. Even the good fathers have bad days and deal with sin. Jesus is going to use, illustrate his idea with, with something very basic, with bread and fish. Basic needs of the day. Basic meals of the day. He would later take the same meal and he would multiply it for thousands of people himself. But if a child asked their father for the basics, the parents would supply it. They wouldn't give them something harmful such as a snake or useless as a stone to meet those needs. No, even what Jesus is saying, even sinners, evil men can can give good things to their kids. Even sinners love those who love them. Remember what Jesus said earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount? It's easy to love those who love you. But Jesus is drawing a contrast here. As he closes in on this last verse that we're studying tonight. It says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? There it is. Jesus' famous how much more statements. How much more will your Father who is in heaven, this isn't an earthly father who's susceptible to sin, Susceptible to make mistakes. This is your heavenly father. How much more will he give what is good to those who ask him? The invitation is to ask the father. Your heavenly father. And he makes this comparison to elevate how much more our good and loving father is willing to give good gifts to those who ask Psalms 37.4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. What a beautiful verse. It gives you direction, and it reminds you of how good the Father is. Psalm 84.11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly blessing from the Father. And the Father, you know what? He's able to do even more than we can ask or think. got Ephesians 3.20 and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And how great is our God? Incomprehensible. Jesus chose us to bear fruit, and it's in the bearing of that fruit, walking in Jesus's ways, that our requests of the Father are answered. Because our lives are aligning with Him. Look at John chapter 15, verse 16. Or you could write it down. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You see, it's in that bearing of fruit, that abiding in Christ, that we are asking things according to God's will, and He will not withhold. Now, what I'm describing here is not any sort of like health and wealth kind of thing. Name it and claim it. Sometimes we hear that stuff go around. This isn't like, Lord, I want that new Mercedes, you know. I'm going to live just right for you so that I can get that. You're not twisting God's arm. This is relational. This is delighting yourself in Him, in His glory, and He is just pouring out upon you the good things that you need. This is the basis for our persistency, the relationship that Jesus came to restore. You see, in Colossians, you can turn there, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. All our persistency, all our pursuing of Him is based on what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless, above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to you, or preach to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You see, it's that, in that continuing in the faith, grounded and steadfast, are not moved away, holding firm to the gospel. That is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from our sins and restores that fellowship and that relationship with the Father. It's, that is how we approach the Father, in boldness because of what Christ has done for us. You see, our prayers will not be heard otherwise. If we are not abiding in Christ, bearing fruit, our prayers turn self-centered. James tells us in chapter 4, verse 2, starting in verse 2, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, and yet you do not have because you do not ask. So we fight against each other because we're choosing not to turn to the Father. And when you do ask and do not receive, it's because you're asking amiss that you might spend it on your own pleasures. Our prayers turn self-centered. They turn away from asking for God's will to be done. And it results in... In brokenness in our fellow relationship, or relationships with our fellow man. But John also explains the connection to answered prayer with obedience to Jesus' commands. In First John 3:22, it says, "Whatever we ask we receive from him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight." And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as He gave us commandment. That's what we're called to do. Believe on the, son, on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Now He who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. So we have that acknowledgement from the Holy Spirit that we are God's and our works prove it too. faith without works is dead. You can't say you believe one thing and do another. John goes on to say later in his letter, in chapter five, verse 14, that we can have confidence of answered prayer by asking according to the Father's will. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we will have. We have the petitions that we have asked of him. Because we're asking according to his will. Think about the boldness that that produces in prayer. Lord, I am praying according to your will, according to what your word says. And I trust that you will see this through. However, in your timing, whatever you desire to do, I'm trusting that you're going to do this. Because I know it's according to your word, will. And we discern the will of the Father through his word. We have the right to ask for God's help in keeping the commandments of Jesus. We have and knowing that this too is according to the will of the Father. We can ask him for help. To follow his word, to believe it. So, in closing tonight, Jesus has paid a great price for us to have such a relationship with the Father. And he exhorts us in pursuing that relationship with the Father, teaching us that the Father desires to give good gifts gifts that enable us to accomplish his will in this world, gifts that meet our needs, gifts that give us victory over sin and bring him glory. Gifts that sustain us until he returns or takes us home. The questions we can ask ourselves, have I been discouraged in prayer? Have I fallen off on something that I was really praying about because I didn't see the answer yet? Seek to strengthen your faith by spending time in God's word. Search, seek his word. For those promises... To keep praying. Seek His word for His will in situations. Maybe it's through the praying and the seeking that you'll see the answer for what situation lies before you. And, as, and it might be that we need to ask the Lord to search our hearts to see if the motives of our prayer are off. That there is a way of selfishness. And then last but not least, Am I actually delighting myself in the Lord? Because that will really veer, it'll pull us away from even praying, but it'll also sidetrack us. And we'll see it produce strife in our relationships. We'll see it produce discouragement. We'll see it produce, you know, a lack of trust in the Lord, trying to solve our own problems. those are things to think about in light of this if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him that's who we're going to a father that desires to give good things to his children that's who we're approaching let's pray Father, I thank you for your word tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that we have this description of you. Lord, that you are not some stingy dad who doesn't, that it will give uh, his kids something other than what they need. Lord, you're not like that. Lord, you tell us that you already know what we need before we ask. So we we just come before you in this in this moment, Lord, in this time. Lord, and we ask, Lord. Lord whatever it is that's been on our hearts this week, whatever those things that we've been praying about, Lord, that we've just let go because we didn't think you were hearing, or we didn't see an answer right away. Lord, remind us of your goodness, Lord. Stir up those scriptures in our heads, Lord, that we've, in, in our hearts, Lord, that we've memorized of, of who you are, Lord. Let us remember what you, what Jesus told us. How much more Will you give good gifts to those who ask you? Father, we confess, Lord, just that that lack of faith that drives us from continuing to press into you. I pray that you would give us victory over that. I pray that you would strengthen us in our faith. Lord, that we would seek your word and and, and find, Lord, that you would lead us to that right verse, Lord, that would give us victory in the moment over the doubt or the frustration over the... um, Whatever would provide that grace that would be sufficient for that moment. Lord, like Paul, who was dealing with the, the thorn in the flesh, Lord. You spoke to him. My grace is sufficient for you. Your strength is made perfect in weakness. And that was it. Lord, let us hear from you concerning these various things. Lord, And I pray along with what Jesus was saying about bearing fruits. I we pray that you would produce those fruits, Lord, in us. Lord, that fruits, Lord, that bring you glory. Lord, that minister to others. Fruits, Lord, that meet the needs of others, Lord, but point to you, the true vine. Lord, we're the branches. Lord, we just... uh, Give you this night, Lord, and ask that you bless, Lord, the remainder of our week. Lord, as we go home tonight, we, we pray before bed, Lord, Lord, that we would just engage with those things that we let go once again, Lord. Lord stir our hearts to ask, to seek, and to knock. In Jesus' name we pray.